Hi, I'm Melanie Walker and this is Grounded. If gardening is your passion, this is the place to be to find out about what's happening in the gardening world. And there's always wonderful things happening in the gardening world, but where do gardens come from? When was it that people decided to become gardeners instead of just growing food and growing plants I think it started food? with food. It started with food, says Michael Rickoff, the inimitable no. and one and only inimitable. Michael Rickoff. <laughs> the with man who finds gardening sexy. It is. It is sexy. I, even, isn't it crazy? I mean, gardening started essentially with food gardens. Mm. And the latest trends are saying Go back to edible rules. You know what I mean? Funnily enough, it's not just edible. Do you know that worldwide succulents are selling more plants than any other plant top? Well, I can well imagine with the lack of water everywhere. Mm. But it's crazy, yeah. I mean, they used to be the poor cousins of the gardening world. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so I think gardening started with edibles. And then, yeah, I mean, essentially somebody must have, was it companion planting? Or was it just, oh, my garden doesn't look sexy enough, so I need to put something pretty inside? But it's a strange thing. I mean, you think about, first of all, hunter-gatherers didn't really grow much because they were always on the move. So when was it when they decided to settle down in the bread basket in the fertile Nile Crescent and start growing stuff? Yeah, I have no idea. I wasn't there. Well, it depends on, on what you believe in, I guess. <laughs> yeah, look, the ancient Egyptians had courtyard gardens. I suppose that's where Islamic gardening comes from now. What was that, 4,000 BC? Mm. So, you know, we're talking about going back a long way when people were organized gardeners. So mm. we've been organized for a long time. Go back to ancient Greece, they were organized topiaries already. Mm. So already then decorative garden was the, the place to be. And I don't think they were making edible gardens then. No, not so, really. It's crazy. But yeah. Taking into account, I mean, then there was the whole renaissance of garden. What happened between ancient times, well, the olden days, as my children like to tell my time, uh, no, but the real olden days, and and when there suddenly was this rebirth when it came to When there gardening. was a renaissance, yeah. yeah. I mean, very little actually happened. And, and that was, I mean, it applied the same to gardening as it applied to anything else, the arts, architecture, all that kind of stuff. Nothing really happened. Um, you know, so there was there was almost this hiatus in history in mm. terms of which nothing really happened in the gardening world. But if you think about the Renaissance, it was quite weird that the Renaissance really took off in Italy. And it's almost picking up from ancient Rome. Mm. And if you look at some of the similarities between ancient Rome and the Renaissance gardening, it's just, the similarities are striking. Such um, as? Well, because they believed in structure. They believed in having, you know, for instance, if you look at Hadrian's Garden, it's famous, um, mm. or Hadrian's Villa. The garden in Hadrian's Villa is a big pool with all these the statuary going down the big pool, creating the harmony and rhythm. There's topiaries. There's all sorts of good things that they used in the Renaissance. So the structure and formality was the same. Mm. So, yeah, really just picking up on all threads. But it's nice because we actually get to kind of learn about all of these things. I mean, we have learned about all of these mm. things, obviously, by not just being interested mm. in what we get to do, but also from studying it. And I think the more you learn, the more you want to know. And at the moment, what's been great for me is on something like Netflix, having Monty Don's Italian gardens, mm. Monty Don's Absolutely. French gardens, which gives you the history of gardening. But it is one of those things that you, you study if you decide to go into something like garden design or into horticulture to know where everything came from. Yeah, and no, I think it's critical. And I think that's why oh, we're busy doing show gardens, as you know. But I mean, that's, that's why we do things like that. But the weirdest thing of all is if you're passionate about something, you never feel as though you're studying it. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's quite weird. If I'm interested in a subject and I just read a book, I seem to remember it a lot better than if it's something I'm, for instance, when I did economics at varsity, I had to read it 150 times to understand it. Yes. <laughs> you know, but I can read a plant article once and remember it all. So be passionate. <laughs> Okay. Do what you yeah. love and yeah. it never becomes a job, yeah. I suppose. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's also an interesting thing that's going on in the world at the moment. I mean, I, I keep on seeing these articles 
in, from England, which of course is a nation of not shopkeepers, but gardeners, actually. And they have a dearth of horticulturalists yeah. and garden designers. Now, I'm thinking back, say, about 15, 20 years ago, yeah. when gardening was the huge craze, when we had Dermot Gavin coming and doing these amazing things, and every second program that we had on television was a gardening show. And there was like, People were like, no, 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 we really want to get more into this. This is sexy. We can do this. We want to be Dermot Gavin. And the amount of people that were coming into gardening, but not just like as getting into the garden and playing, but studying it. The numbers have diminished pretty much worldwide when mm. it comes to horticulture as well as agricultural leanings as mm. well. Yeah, I mean, this is something we've recognized. We in the industry, in the green industry, are trying to turn that around and say, well, you know, a, why is it happening? And B, have we been getting people involved from a young age? Mm. And I think the fault is ours to an extent because, you know, when people started to go, eventually people went to school. And I can't remember when I was in primary school, for instance, my teacher ever saying it would be sexy to be a landscaper or a gardener. Mm -mm. It was always about being doctors and lawyers and bankers and all sorts of things or Air Force pilots. Or, or if you you're know. a girl, you could become a secretary or an air hostess. Or a nurse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, the, but the bottom line is it wasn't actually touted as a career. You know, mm -hmm. it, it was something that you did as a hobby. You, you know, you played in the mud in your garden and if you happened to enjoy it, you became a gardener. Well, I mean, obviously, yeah. I mean, do you know that um, gardening is the number one leisure activity in South Africa and then even on the par with fishing, surprisingly enough? Well, that's cool. I, I, I do gardening. so. <laughs> but, but, but think about this very carefully. If it's a leisure activity and you can do it for a living and earn money out of it, mm. what a bonus. Mm. Um, you know? And so it's kind of weird. I mean, your children are in school and whatnot, and you've seen a movement in school where they're sort of involving children in gardening. They've got vegetable gardens in school. I mean, it never happened in our day. You know, we never had an interesting garden in schools in our day. It just didn't happen. Mm. Where, where there was this movement and there was this consciousness of people saying, we need to get more people involved. And when you talk about England being um, gardeners, I mean, you know, my mom comes from there as well, from mm. southern England, from Kent, where, you know, that's where the gardens are kind of thing. And she could never understand why nobody would be passionate about gardening or even be born with it in their DNA. I mean, you know, this is, this is how it was. And I don't think it's there anymore. Um, but it's, it's even strange within uh, different cultures here in South Africa that, you know, growing your own food is actually seen as the, the pursuit of the poor. Yeah, which has been for me completely crazy because I mean there you have the the northern suburbs mommies. You know, my veggie garden's much better than yours. Look, oh, we grow all our own food. It's like a status symbol. But then out in the middle of KZN, it's really kind of you, you don't want to be seen growing your own morocho or anything like that. Yeah, and and that's the crazy part of it. We're hoping it'll filter and change. I mean, you know. They've been touting this as a trend for the last five years. Every time you read a trends document in the beginning of every year, edibles are big this year. But hang on, edibles yeah. have been big yeah. for a lot longer. Well, We've yeah. been doing interviews with people for at least 12 years and yeah. about putting in, in edible, edible gardens and planting And guerrilla gardening even. Um, yes. You know, which, which is a movement starting, started in Europe in terms of people going and taking responsibility for not just greening pavements, but actually making pavements edible spaces. Mm. So, yeah, I, you know, I agree with you and... and and, and it is a cultural thing. I think it's a case of saying, you know, um, if, if I grow my own food, I'm seen to be inferior. But nowadays you go to the richer suburbs and saying, if I had a, an edible garden, I'm socially responsible. I'm out there. I'm with it. Mm. That's changed. And it's changed. And hopefully it'll catch on. I don't know. We, we're hoping it'll catch on. We are touting it very much again this year to the extent where we're not just including edible gardens in our show garden environment. We are just really we're embroidering edible gardening right throughout show gardens regardless mm. of what type of garden there is 
um, you know, I'm very much in touch with some of the youngsters at the moment because of 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 of, of, um, of our boy doing coding, and all of his friends have got little hydroponic units in their flats mm. and things. That's becoming like the sexy thing to have is, is having your own hydroponic unit. So it's almost like marrying some form of technology, portable technology, um, with something that's living. But it's interesting yeah. when you, you talked about the succulents and um, working at various garden centers, you notice that the younger people are coming in and they either want succulents or they want herbs and veggies. Yeah. They're not interested in anything in between, yeah. apart from mother-in-law's tongue and speck worm. Yeah. And, and, and funnily enough, these are the things that we make fashionable. And when you see fashionable contemporary gardening at the moment, and by the way, it's got a very, very strong contemporary link. So, you know, when you look at contemporary gardens that we do at the moment, they're these gardens that have the clipped hedges or they have the mother-in-law's tongue mm. or they have that kind of plant like you know the strelitzia what do they call it the elephant's toothpick yes um that kind of thing so you know when you're looking at that kind of gardening i think it's trendy to be involved in that kind of gardening it's not necessarily trending for youngsters today to go and buy citras i agree with you mm. Mm. you know it's actually got to have a look and it's got to have a feel and it's got to sort of be it's got to be out there it's almost like buying a pair of jeans <laughs> it's the same kind of thing and and we've got to be in touch with that and one of the things we're looking at very strongly this year is have we been marketing responsibly to younger people mm. in the marketplace or have we been marketing to people who are already sold, the people like of our generation? You don't have to market to me. But I'm it, sold. I know, we, we yeah. got sold on it, but, but mm. for myself and a lot of my contemporaries, we only got into the greening stuff when we hit like about 40 before that, growing stuff wasn't really on our plates. You know, I think we were just out busy making money and partying. I see what you did there about the plates and edibles. <laughs> but but um, it's, I always loved gardening, but I always thought that gardening was never a career. Gardening to me was a passion. It's something, I mean, I lived in a flat in Hillbrow for many years, and I mm. always had plants in my flat. I always you know, go to the OK or something in Hillbrow and buy, fl uh, buy plants, and you green your flat. But that was just part of greening your flat, like buying furniture. Mm. It wasn't what you did for a living. So my careers were everywhere else except the landscape industry until one day I thought to myself, hang on a second, you know, this is what I like doing. I should mm. get involved. And funnily enough, I was in my 40s when I changed careers. So no, you're quite right. And that's also because maybe it is a factor of nobody having told me when I was younger that this is really, really a good option as a career. But that's, this is one of the things when I speak to a lot of um, the kids at my school's parents and they're saying, oh, we don't know what our kids want to do when they finish school. What are they going to do? Where are they going to go? And I said to them, have you ever thought about going into the green industry? I mean, like horticulture, um, growing food, because I really still do believe that being able to grow food is one of the best things that you can do for your future. I think there's going to be a shortage of people who can do it. And of course, food security is already coming under the radar. And health. Well, not under the radar, under the spotlight. Yeah. It's health as well. You know, people see that they can control the quality of the food that they're growing. Mm. They know what's going into the food. There are chemicals in there. They don't put chemicals onto the food. They don't have to. So they can be responsible and they can be safe in the knowledge of if I want to eat healthy and organically, I can control that. And, and one of the best ways of doing that is doing it yourself. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. When you decide that you want to learn about plants, do mm. you have to have an artist's eye? I don't think so. I think we all have a designer in us. Um, and some people are better at it than others. And good drawers are not necessarily good designers. And it doesn't mean that if you can't draw, you can't design. Mm. I've met some people who have got brilliant eyes for form and 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 sh and shape. And I've, some people are even better at function than form. But it, you know, everybody has their own skills and talents. Some people are better at matching colors than other people. Mm. Um, some people have got a good feel for contrasting colors. 
but I, I don't think it's got anything to do with necessarily being an artist. I think some some of the artists I know make really exceptional designers, but um, I, I don't know. I think there's a design in all of us. What makes a bad garden? I mean, I have seen some bad gardens. I've seen some gardens I've looked at and gone, what were you thinking? It is a, a scrambled egg of everything and every design style possible with every kind of statuary possible in one space. I think you've just and you said think, what are people thinking? Yeah, I think you just put it in a nutshell. It's you're trying to put too much in to a garden without recognizing that, first of all, there's, you know, there's, there's got to be harmony in a garden. And harmony is, it's like music, repetition. It's a beat. It's, it's a, you know, it's something that you actually can recognize and you can be comfortable with. And if something's too busy and eclectic and over-eclectic in a garden, and there are too many styles in the garden, styles clash, things don't talk to each other in the garden, it makes you feel uncomfortable. To me, that's what makes a bad garden. It doesn't necessarily mean that a collector's garden is a bad garden. I've seen some good ones. And I mean, I know some horticulturists. Richard, who's a friend of ours, mm. um, he's, he's a collector and his garden looks stunning. Um, but he's also a horticulturist, so he knows how to make the plants look good. Mm. Um, Debbie, a friend of ours as well, she's a designer as well as a horticulturist. And her garden looks amazing from both points of view, but she's got hundreds and hundreds of different things in the garden. So sometimes it's just a case of knowing what looks right. And the, the best advice I can give to somebody in terms of saying, is my garden good or not? I mean, if you step back and you're uncomfortable and you say, you know, if it doesn't look right, it probably isn't right. There probably is something wrong with it. And you, mm. I mean, take the sacred cows and get rid of them. Okay, yeah. that's also another thing. And you're sitting there, you, you're an artist, you're a designer. So people say, oh, you're a garden designer. They immediately think that you go and plant plants. So what are the different things that people can get into? Uh, I mean, the green industry is huge, you know, in terms of saying, I can be a horticulturist, I can be a retailer, I can be a grower, I can be a breeder, I can be a designer, I can be a pure gardener, which is not necessarily a designer. If I don't want to be a designer but I love landscaping, I can be a landscaper who doesn't design. Okay, so a landscaper yeah. is the person who actually installs. Yeah, so I would say, you know, a landscape designer is totally different from a landscaper. Landscapers mm. out there actually making the landscape happen, whereas a landscape designer is somebody who puts together the whole blueprint. And what's the difference between a landscape designer and a garden designer? Um, well, you know, this is... It, we usually say it's according to scale and experience in terms of saying, you know, the garden designer we think is a much more, um, somebody who would focus more on a sort of domestic type of garden, mm. whereas a landscape would get more involved in, say, contouring gardens and, and changing the whole shape of, of the landscape itself. So it, it really is a question of scale most mm. of the time. In fact, the reason why we had to ask the question because and we know some of the answers is because we've recently been involved in writing the new national curriculum. Mm. And the national curriculum separates garden and landscape design. And it does just that in terms of saying it's a, it's a scale thing, it's an experiential thing. It's also saying um, a landscape designer almost takes it, takes it to a new level mm. in terms of what you're doing with that garden space. But now I've also heard that um, landscape architecture is no longer a course that you can have anywhere in South Africa. They used to be done yeah. in Cape Town, but now no longer that particular syllabus available. I'm not familiar with with exactly where it is and isn't. I know that tax, I think, for instance, has dropped it. So, mm. you know, it's getting to the... And I think it's a numbers game. Mm. It's not really a question of saying, is it relevant or isn't it relevant? And what you were talking about earlier on in terms of saying there aren't that many people going through the industry anymore, that's a prime example of saying, well, whilst architecture still exists as, as a discipline and you can still get a degree in architecture, you no longer have the option of getting the degree in landscape architecture simply because of the numbers game. So, you know, it's it's all... It's all of critical mass, really. Mm. I know that universities still have horticulture degrees and uh, that you can do, and there's a couple of colleges 
um, where you do it more on a technical side of, of things, doing agriculture more than horticulture itself. But I mean, at Lifestyle College, obviously, you are going with the horticulture and landscape. Which, which do you have more people wanting to do? At the moment, we've got an equal number. <laughs> it's kind of, it's equally weighted. Last year was quite weird. We had we had a lot of people gravitating more towards the horticultural side. Mm. Um, but it didn't mean we had no interest in the landscaping side. And it's only, I think, because in a lot of ways, landscaping seems a lot more abstract to people than horticulture. Horticulture is something that I think just about everybody can relate to. Mm. But when they hear landscape design, it almost sounds intimidating. And I think it's maybe something you said earlier on that's the trigger in terms of saying, would you like to be a landscape designer? The first thing the person says, I can't draw. Yeah, <laughs> you know? no, that was my thing when I yeah. started doing it because I really cannot draw at all. But I can, I can paint with plants beautifully. Well, that's the point. And one of the best designers in the country I know, Debbie, um, she by her own, she says, I can't draw. I just mm. forget about drawing. But you know what, Mike, if you sit with me, you can draw. I'll tell you what I've got in my head. You draw it. <laughs> okay. And she does the most beautiful work, as you know. So it really is a case of saying, can you, you know, can you envision it? Can you paint a picture in your head? You said you can paint pictures with flowers. And that's what it's all about to me. And I think with modern technology coming through these days, mm. you know, I think being able to draw is, is an advantage. Well, you can get your thoughts down. Think about quickly. if you were Monet and you can yeah. create a garden just so you can paint it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's On a purpose. wonderful way to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's the artist's yeah. eye coming in. So obviously, it does help if you do have a good feel for form and color. It, you do. But I think, you know, having read some of, for instance, Dermot Gavin, you mentioned my favorite designer. And, you know, if you look at Dermot Gavin's work, Dermot Gavin is a horticulturist first mm. who became a radical designer. And he is not a, he doesn't follow trends and fashions, you know, he kind of sets them. In fact, he sometimes upsets people. <laughs> and oh, he totally. Gets a lot of kickback. I mean, the the, yeah. the Royal Horticultural Society were most unimpressed with him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he'll do a gnome <laughs> without a problem. He'll do a pyramid. He'll do all sorts. He'll do a moving garden. Yeah, he did the flying garden yeah. as well. Flying garden with so, bright pink metal. Yeah. But the, this is the thing. I mean, overseas, um, it's a lot easier, I think, possibly to get qualified as a horticulturalist or as a designer. And I know that youngsters these days, the first thing they're going to say to you is, "What?" diploma or degree will I end up with at the end of this? Yeah. You know, that's becoming, it's a good and a bad thing. You know, it's a mixed blessing, curses, call it what you like mm. in terms of saying, um, you know, I have to be able to prove a piece of paper. I have to be able to prove something, some evidence of what I've learned in term, in, instead of basically saying, you know, I just have the, all these acquired skills. I've been grandfathered into this thing. Mm. Um, because there are some brilliant people out there who don't necessarily carry degrees or, or diplomas or certificates for that matter. So it is becoming more relevant and it's something that we're conscious of. And that's why we are very close um, with the, the government at the moment in terms of spearheading the development um, and formalizing of the national curriculum mm. for landscape design. So what will you end up with at the end of the course? I mean, if you do like either horticulture or landscape design. Okay, so when you're all finished, you, you're basically going to be certified on NQF level four or five. Mm. So, you know, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get that level of credit. And and so, you know, you're going to be able to practice in an industry that relates to the NQF four and five level. And the next step from that, of course, is being able to register as a landscape designer in South Africa because I think where it's going is people really desperately want to control the industry a little bit more. Mm. Um, because one of the problems we have in South Africa, for instance, and it's not really that prevalent, I don't think, overseas, is where anybody who can buy a bucket can become a landscaper. Mm. And it sometimes isn't beneficial to the industry. Now, I know a lot of people yeah. who put themselves out there as landscapers, and I know they've never studied it, but they say, oh, but I know so much about plants. 
And I'm like, well, that's all well and good, but uh, do you really know that much about plants? And that's why I'm, people who want to go into landscape design, I always say to them, don't forget, you have to do horticulture. I don't care. Oh, if you, you have, to know, plants. The, you have oh, yeah. to know your plants. You have mm. to know what's going wrong with them. You have yeah. to know how to make sure that they work. If you think about how many complexes we went into where the people took up plants out of the garden because they wanted to redo their gardens and everything had been planted in the plastic bags. Yeah, now we've seen some horrible things, and you see them at all levels in in our industry. I mean, I can't I can't tell you how many times I've been called in not to do a garden, but to fix a garden. Mm. And when you have to fix a garden, the client is eventually just admitting that they have now just you know just been involved in throwaway money, so they just the money's just gone, never to come back again. So I think you have to be very careful first of all with credentials. Um, you know, not not having a piece of paper doesn't mean that you're going to be a bad landscaper. Mm. But it means it's questionable in terms of do you know it? But having a piece of paper doesn't guarantee you a good one. Yeah. Um, so I, I really think you have to go with a landscaper who's got a reputation in the industry. Ask some searching questions. Um, so where are the checks and balances coming in through the various um, yeah, nurserymen's associations, landscaping yeah. associations? All the associations like Sana and Sali and so on and so forth. Mm. But also through the college. I mean, you know, we get the quality. We are very serious about the quality. You've been there. Mm. You know what we we you know we don't play silly games with the qualifications we give out in terms of saying this person is really a good landscaper. But you know, we get clients phoning the college saying, "Do you know this person? Have they been through the college? Mm. Were they any good?" And the college will give them you know decent feedback. So that's one of the things you can do. If somebody actually says, "I have this qualification," you can phone. The qualifying body and you can say well you know is this person qualified or, is, or were they any good but it's also it's a strange thing because i mean mm. we always think for us the the green industry is so centered on Teng. actually i think that's where the, the most of it is but then you still have all the landscapers who are having to work down in the tropical areas or down in the cape and those people who go down from johannesburg suddenly have a whole new learning curve and have to work out you know we have to like learn how to deal with very, very poor soil. So does that get covered at all? When, you know, you, when we're up in Gauteng, learning and studying It here. doesn't always get covered, and you're right. And I mean, we, we're very Gauteng-centric, so you know, we, we, we try. We do branch out with all the different plants, and we're getting better at it in terms of spreading our plant knowledge, because mm. that's what it's about. You know, landscape form is landscape form, whether you're here or in Cape Town or KwaZulu-Natal, but um, landscape planting is totally different. And I know this because I just... I'm I'm just busy with a project in Pearl Valley at the moment, and I've had to really go on a fat learning curve myself. But, I mean, you can't teach everything in the space of time that we teach people. Mm. And very much what I've learned about the qualification is if you pay attention, you have got the tools to learn very quickly and research and find out these things you need to know. So if you're not lazy about it, you shouldn't really slip up. Mm. Because I was just thinking, I went down to Port Alfred, and, I mean, there's so many really ardent gardeners down there and there's quite a lot of landscapers who live down in that area as well and i was just thinking i mean you know if one of their children hear this and they think oh i want to come and study then get your butts up here to johannesburg and come and do it essentially because there isn't really anywhere else that you'd be able to get that particular qualification no i mean we get people coming from all over the place to come and study landscaping up up in joburg mm. um and, and i think we've got quite a track record we've been around for well over 20 years in terms of in terms of teaching this course. It's been developed over time, and I think we know what the industry needs. We're very close as well to the industry in terms of saying, what is it you want us to put out? And we're getting even more close, considering that we have been dealing with the National Qualifications Framework in terms mm. of saying the whole industry needs to buy into the qualification we're putting down. So I think we're getting a lot better at it. Um, but certainly at the moment, the, the, you know, the hub seems to be here 
in terms of handing out that knowledge. Mm. But you still have kids who sit there and think, oh, we just put something in the ground, it'll grow. <laughs> then sometimes they, die, it then does. they kill it. Well, sometimes <laughs> it does. If it's a succulent, you know. generally you're not going to have too much of a problem with it. Yeah. But uh, the thing is that everybody, oh, gardening, it's so easy. Why do people look on, down on people who are gardeners and other th- people think they're completely arcane? I don't know. I, I was, you know, when I sort of first looked at landscaping, I thought it was a glamorous job. <laughs> you know, not all landscaping is glamorous. I sometimes. don't think any of it is, is like, yeah. like no, a very, very glamorous. It's quite sexy. I think it's really cool to be able to actually put out these big designs and whatnot. But yes, um, I, I don't I don't necessarily know if everybody looks down on it. I know that we have been visiting schools and whatnot. We went to one particular school where we sat there and said, you know, the people would come and say to us, what do you do? And mm. they were with their parents. And we said, well, we landscape. And we had all these pictures. That, and, the, and the parents said, no, 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 come away. You know, I don't want you to be a gardener. You know, so you're right. I actually make saying, a point of whenever it says, what do you do for a living? I say, I'm a gardener. Yeah. <laughs> that is what I write down wherever I go. They say, yeah. what do you do? I'm a gardener and I'm proud to be so. Yeah. But hopefully it will become one of those things that is sexy again because we really do need the youth of today to – get involved in it as you said we are already sold on it okay we will keep on doing this we will keep going because it's what we believe in and we also know that food security in the future is going to be a big thing and people should know how to grow their own food they should know and and you don't necessarily have to have just a a food garden i mean we all know that Mm. once you get to know what you're doing you can mix and match you can have a bit of both Mm. you can have the best of both worlds definitely something that um, parents should be Having a look at and all the mothers that I've said this to, they've gone, well, I didn't even think about doing something. We don't like evangelize, Melanie. You know, we actually put adverts in magazines and we, we put adverts in newspapers, but are we out there actually talking to people? And what we found in the last year or two is we've been out there as landscapers, as lecturers. Mm. We, we've been speaking to the children directly and getting them excited. You could suddenly see the kids getting excited and saying to us, wow, design, I didn't know it was about that. Mm. And suddenly you see the, the spark come, come up and they say, that sounds good. And I say, well, you know, to me, it's the most fantastic thing. It's something I love doing. I do it as a hobby and people pay me money for it. So it's cool. It's you know, fantastic. I love it. <laughs> I guess, I mean, if people are keen on getting their kids all themselves a diploma in, in horticulture and garden design, obviously the easiest thing is just go to lifestylecollege.coza, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Or just Google Lifestyle College and you'll come across us. Because everybody keeps yeah. on saying, oh, by the way, um, do you do this online? Unfortunately, no. You know what, the bottom line is online teaching is one thing, YouTubing is good, I use it myself, mm. but the, 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 the private touch, the, the numbers of debates and the number of consultations I have with students just says it all. Yeah, you've got to have hands on and you've got to get your hands dirty. <laughs> That's the way to go. I love it? getting my hands dirty. Yeah. Don't, oh, such a dirty boy, Michael, what can you <laughs> say? Anyway, thank you very much for chatting to us. Um, it's always, always fabulous to chat with you. And uh, of course, for the rest of you, if you want to get your hands dirty, well, this is the place where you come to find out all about it. We'll catch you again next time. For show notes and more information about this episode, go to solidgoldstudios.co.za forward slash grounded. You've been listening to another episode from the Solid Gold Podcast Studios.